This is Morgan Michael, welcoming you to Kindsight 101, the podcast where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness, together by challenging our assumptions and venturing beyond the status quo in education, we can make a big impact, one small act at a time. It's in the early years where the emotional tone of life is set, where our, our first impressions of life have a lot to do with a, a lifetime of outcomes, either positive or negative. If we experience life as fearful, anxious, stressful, and so on, that is a constraint that affects the outcomes over the years, over a lifetime. This is what the research tells us. And comparatively, if we experience the first years as life-affirming, joyful, uh, supportive, uh, and, and we feel respected and seen for who we feel we are as a young child, well, then that's the basis for our true self to grow in confidence as we move about the world in a lifetime of possibly positive outcomes. Well, to say that I was starstruck as I spoke to Rafi in our conversation would be an understatement. In our conversation, I discuss how the concept of child honoring came to Rafi in a dream, how his earliest memories as a child in Egypt, then as an immigrant to Canada, framed his passion for inclusion and diversity, how important it is to care for those in our culture who suffer with mental health struggles, and his nine principles of child honoring. He encourages parents and teachers and educational assistants to explore the course he co-developed with Kristen Weens about child honoring. He even sang a little bit of his song to me. You can find out more about Rafi at therafifoundation.org. Millions know Rafi for his work as a children's entertainer whose string of gold and platinum selling records in North America includes his classic Baby Beluga song with its beloved melody and lyrics. But a very interesting piece of Rafi's story is not as well known. Rafi's pioneering commitment to honoring his young fans changed the way we came to view music made for children. Founding his own record label, Troubadour, then-folk musician Rafi set out on a path that rescued children's recordings from bargain bin pricing and subpar production values. Our conversation is really quite profound, and I'm so proud of the way that it came together. I'm really honored that he was able to sit down with me and that he was able to share so openly so much of his wisdom and his perspective on child honoring. Rafi, I just want to welcome you today to Kindsight 101. I am so thrilled and excited to be speaking to you today. Well, it's good to be with you. I would like to, before we talk about where you're at, all of your success with your children's records, with the work that you've been doing around child honoring, the coursing that you've been doing for folks, I'd like to rewind to your origins. I understand that you were born in Egypt to Armenian parents, and you moved to Toronto in 1958 at the age of 10. And what are some of your most joyful memories from that time, and maybe how that experience has carried over into your career and your unique perspective? (laughs) Well, I remember with joy uh, playing in the sands of Cairo, visiting the pyramids when I was a young child in my father's 1948 Studebaker, two-tone green, by the way. Mm -hmm. In Toronto, I remember 
my first experience watching Hockey Night in Canada on the black and white television, mm-hmm. cheering for the Maple Leafs and Frank Mahovlich, my favorite player at the time. I remember as a boy watching uh, the Saturday afternoon baseball games on, again, black and white television, and for some reason being attracted to my favorite baseball player, pro ball player, Hank Aaron of the Milwaukee Braves, and he was the first African-American that I was aware of, Um, you know, having been new to Canada. Interesting how the mind goes back to little vignettes uh, in memory. But, uh, you know, my growing up in Canada, I had a thought to become a teacher because I remember in school I, I felt like the teachers thought they had a divine right to rule, and I didn't think that was that <laughs> And but as, as luck would have it, at 16 I got a guitar and started uh, to teach myself how to play and was singing with friends and so on. One thing led to another, and music got the better of me. So I left University of Toronto in second year without completing it to take up my passion uh, of making music, writing songs, became a folk singer, played in coffee houses. And I had the good fortune to be married for a time to a very compassionate kindergarten teacher. And it was this teacher who uh, opened my eyes to the world of the young child. Uh, The young child has a person worthy of respect, a whole person. And I think I, when I when I studied early childhood development, uh, so that I could better entertain the young children who soon became the focus of my music making. This is around 1976, 1977. When I studied early childhood development, I saw in that work a window to understanding myself, bringing. You know, the challenges that life uh, brings and how you respond. And I think what was pivotal for me was the learning over time that it's in the early years where the emotional tone of life is set, where our our first impressions of life um, have a lot to do with a, a lifetime of outcomes, either positive or negative. So if we experience life as fearful, anxious, stressful, and so on, that is a constraint that affects the outcomes over the years, over a lifetime. This is what the research tells us. And comparatively, if we experience the first years as life-affirming, joyful, uh, supportive, uh, and, and we feel respected and seen for who we feel we are as a young child, well, then that's the basis excuse me, for our true self to grow in confidence as we move about the world in a lifetime of uh, possibly positive outcomes. So it's that understanding of the primacy of early years that over time led me, uh, alongside the the great success and, and joy that I felt in my music career, to become a passionate advocate for children And that, I think in that process, the philosophy of child honoring came to me, and I devoted years to it. 
I took years off the concert stage to develop this child-honoring philosophy that we can talk more about. I would love that. And I, I mean, what a beautiful way to say that, that it's in the early years that the tone of emotion is set. I, I don't think I've ever quite heard it said that way, but I think it's so profound and really accurate in terms of how we view the world. It's our frame of reference. It's our context. And we carry that story with us through through our lives. And we apply that story and that narrative. So I just think that's a beautiful way to say it. Thank you. Can you speak to the child honoring now that we have sort of introduced the concept with this audience? Can you talk a little bit about what it is to define it? I sort of have a sense of how it's come up for you, but I understand it has nine principles. And I don't know if going through the nine principles is something that you want to do or if there are certain ones that you'd like to highlight, but it would be great to hear you speak to it a little bit. Thank you. Well, in 1997, I was awakened from a sound sleep early in the morning and the words child honoring hung in the air in front of me. Open. I mean, I was in a state of uh, bewilderment as to what was going on. It was a, I was visited by a vision. Uh, it was a luminous moment in which I came to understand in 1997 that all the years of working with children, all the child advocacy I'd done had brought me to a point where I could now ask the question, what would a child-honoring society look like? Um, and I knew in that luminous moment that I was being given a vision of a philosophy, perhaps a, a novel one that uh, connected person, culture, and planet in a new social change revolution with the child at its heart. Because the child, if you think about it, the young child especially, is the universal human. Regardless of culture, skin color, ethnicity, the physiology of the infant human is the same all around the world. And this is the good news of child honoring. Child honoring is a universal ethic to be lived in locally wise ways around the world. And the primacy of early years, which is a core child honoring tenet, as we just spoke a few minutes ago, is all about the foundation of life. You know, when you when you build a, a a house, you don't start with a roof. <laughs> you start with a strong foundation. That's what the early years are all about. Child honoring is a philosophy that regards how we treat the very young as the basis for uh, the rest of life, you see. So the formative early years, people say, uh, the word formative, but they don't talk about what it means. What is forming mm. mean when we say formative? Right. Well, here's the answer. It's nothing less than how it feels to be human. Mm. So reasons for being kind to our young, my goodness, let's start there. <laughs> how it feels to be human. When we are treated with respect, the kindness goes deep within us, and we understand that we are worthy of respect. We grow up in the loving mirror uh, th that gives us a sense that, oh, this is how life is and ought to be, respectful, kind, considerate. That's the human way of being, you see? Mm. So 
the formative years. Uh, I think formative is, is the new F word that we all need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that in 1999, two years after the vision came to me, I came to write three paragraphs, which I call A Covenant for Honoring Children. May I read them? Absolutely, yes. A Covenant for Honoring Children. We find these joys to be self-evident, that all children are created whole, endowed with innate intelligence, with dignity and wonder, worthy of respect. The embodiment of life, liberty, and happiness, children are original blessings, here to learn their own song. Every girl and boy is entitled to love, to dream and belong to a loving village and to pursue a life of purpose. We affirm our duty to nourish and nurture the young, to honor their caring ideals as the heart of being human, to recognize the early years as the foundation of life, and to cherish the contribution of young children to human evolution. We commit ourselves to peaceful ways and vow to keep from harm or neglect these, our most vulnerable citizens. And as guardians of their prosperity, we honor the bountiful earth whose diversity sustains us. And thus we pledge our love for generations to come. That is so profound. And I just think what sticks out to me is these little people that are entrusted to us are so incredibly special and in many ways so fragile and yet resilient, yes. but that we have such a responsibility. And I think as a mother and as a teacher and as someone who walks along other you know, people who were once children, right? I mm -hmm. think it's so, it just kind of cuts through everything. And it's mm -hmm. it's just so clear. Yeah. Thank you. So that was in 1999. And when I shared this with close friends and colleagues, I got a lot of support. And I knew I was on the right track with developing this uh, child honoring vision. And now with the covenant, there was an articulation of, you know, its core uh, spirit. And the following year, I drew nine principles from those three paragraphs because child honoring, I kept saying, was an invitational uh, philosophy. It wasn't prescriptive. And people said, yes, but we need something to hang our hat on. <laughs> <laughs> people and like a roadmap. <laughs> the child honoring principles, there are nine of them, respectful love, diversity, caring community, conscious parenting, Emotional intelligence, nonviolence, safe environments, sustainability, and ethical commerce. Mm. You know, what strikes me is that many of your songs, because I listen to your songs all the time, because I have two kids, five and three, we mm. have it on all the time for real. <laughs> and uh, and with my class as well, actually. Um that a lot of your songs reinforce these these notions and these ideals. Was that intentional or was that something that came through many of your songs because those are the beliefs that you hold to be true? Well, I think certainly respect as the core value of, you know, throughout my career 
uh, has been there all along. So even before the words child honoring, uh, let alone the philosophy uh, that comes with those words, even before that dawned on me, um, the songs were written and presented in a respectful way with respect for an impressionable young audience. Now, along the way, yes, you can say that uh, we can see the principles of diversity, caring community, nonviolence, you know, uh, ethic, uh, emotional intelligence and so on uh, uh, permeate the songs. Mm-hmm. Emotional intelligence, play-based learning in the early years, uh, so many of my songs, you know, uh, have that spirit. Sustainability, I, I've got many, many songs and celebration of our uh, big, beautiful planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oro song title. So, yeah, you can see these principles, um, you know, in my music uh, throughout the decades. Yes, absolutely. And you, you have actually delved into this even further. Again, like I said, people love to have a, a bit of a roadmap, especially educators and parents, I think, when when a concept seems abstract, it can be tricky to sort of grasp and apply to your own life. So you've developed a course uh, with Kristen Weens, who I've just interviewed as well, about about these nine principles and mm. how to integrate them. Can you speak to the course a little bit and you know what it offers and, and how it can help us? Yes, uh, Kristen Weens is a wonderful, compassionate educator. She's an inclusion uh, coach as well. And um, she and I got together and developed an online course by which uh, parents, educators, policymakers, guidance counselors, school psychologists, anyone who works with the young and cares about young children can uh, take a self-paced multimedia interdisciplinary course in understanding the nine principles of child honoring. So the covenant for honoring children and its nine principles become the 10 modules of the course. Mm. And we've had wonderful feedback from parents and educators who have taken the course. Um, It's available at rafifoundation.org, modestly priced. And um, here's uh, here's one comment um, from uh, a teacher. She says, this course is really amazing. I'm recommending it to all my fellow teachers and friends. Hmm. And um, a professor from Wichita State University wrote a profound offering. I'll recommend this compelling course to my students. That's amazing and wonderful testimonials. And hmm. and I, I was wondering, are there a, a sort of actionable strategies that you offer for some of those for some of those principles, are there activities that people can do? Oh, oh indeed. As, as a matter of fact, uh, the course is full of uh, multimedia presentations, uh, you know, choices people can make as to what they want to learn more about, what they want to do in their neighborhoods, uh, what reading they might want to do. The, the resource uh, base of the course is quite rich that mm-hmm. way. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess there would be there would be a different sort of um, – things that you could do in practice with your children as well, I'm guessing. Well, you're guessing right. And the main thing, though, is, you know, let me say, you know, we, we live in a, a, a troubled time, you know, with the climate emergency that we are all hearing about and many of us are frightened about, uh, right, 
rightly so. When we think of a future for our children, we want a viable future, a livable future where they can thrive, not one where they're putting out fires all the time. And I'm using that metaphorically. Mm -hmm. So the way we as parents and as caregivers and guardians can help create that viable future is to become change makers. Mm -hmm. If we are living in a climate emergency, I say, each one of us must become a, uh, an emergency responder. That's what emergencies need is responders, right? I love that metaphor. That's so true. Absolutely. And so this is the course that enables you to become that kind of a first responder. Become a change maker. Yes. Mm, I like that. The children that you love on behalf of all that you hold precious in the world. This is a dynamic course. It's fun. It's, it's uh, laden with music. Um, and, and Kristen Wiens, her beautiful illustrations are all through the course. Uh, I invite your listeners to uh, uh, go to rafifoundation.org and click on Take the Course. And uh, I might also ask that educators and people who want to take the course with their friends, they can ask us about our quantity discounts, uh, which are quite robust, actually. Okay, that's great. I will definitely put a link about that in the show notes as well so that people can get it right away. That's great. I wanted to touch on the the youth mental health crisis as well because I think that that relates to the ripple out effect of of our current state of affairs mm-hmm. when it comes to the way that we treat children and and the children in our care but before I do I I do want to acknowledge and note that you actually met the Dalai Lama in 2000 uh related to this child honoring principle and and concept and he he had wonderful things to say about it can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you i met with his holiness the dalai lama in dharamsala at his office on two occasions one was in 1999 my first time there and we spoke for a half an hour in a private meeting about child honoring and he was very moved mm. and the following year i was invited back to dharamsala and we had a conversation that was actually made into a 10-minute video that's online. If you go to YouTube, you can find it. Just put in Rafi and the Dalai Lama, you'll see the conversation. But he certainly affirmed uh, the value of respect for children, the value of respecting earth and child as an integrated spirit as an integrated vision you know a holistic idea that mother earth this is who uh this is where we get our sustenance this is our mother we we need to mean it when we say that you know so why would we you know uh stay in the earth you know why would we uh, uh pollute our nest it makes no sense he understood the the child honoring spirit very very well and uh, I I came away feeling really affirmed from uh, that conversation. I can imagine how incredible that must have been, and then to be invited back as well, and deservedly mm-hmm. so. I just think this is such a such an important idea, especially right now. And so, I do want to talk about our current state of mental health and. I really believe that we're in a crisis. You look at the stats around depression and anxiety and even suicide rates in our youth, and they are skyrocketing. And there's certainly an undercurrent of discontent in our society right now. 
And what is sort of your message around the, this crisis and, and what we can do and what what is kind of the biggest problem that, in your opinion, is maybe causing some of this discontent? To give a brief answer, I can say that we need to co-create a culture of respect at home, in our learning environments, and in our workplace. And the governments that we, you know, at election time, uh, we go and vote and we, we form elected representative chambers. These governments that we create also need to be chambers of mutual respect. Because children learn from adults. They learn more from our actions than what we say. We've got to walk the talk. We've got to model uh, respectful ways, respectful love. You see, that's the first principle of child honoring. Mm -hmm. So whether it's online bullying, that's our concern. Whether it's, um, you know, um, bad company that our children, uh, you know, get, get – uh, get to keep or, you know, bad influences, uh, uh, addictive uh, substances and so on. It, it all comes down to how we feel in our heart of hearts. When we are hurting, we are, that's when we're likely to think of hurting another. You know, we, I mean, it, it's so evident that uh, for example, heroin addicts, in their deepest selves, they're, they're craving for the comfortable blanket of a mother's love that they didn't have in their early years, you know? Mm -hmm. It's been shown to be true. So, you know, the respect, a culture of respect, the respect I'm talking about is kindness to the nth degree. Yes. It's, positive communication it's uh, a respectful way of being with one another and seeing each other in the essence of who we are which is loving lovable human beings i was going to ask you before we quickly jump into our rapid fire questions whether there was anything that you wanted to add in addition to our conversation. I know it's been sort of a toe dip into these really big concepts, but I think you've given us such a such a beautiful overview, and I think people will be interested in taking the course because we can do a deeper dive. Mm. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we do those? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> That's the song, and as you know, Morgan. That light is not little at all. It's uh, the boundless human spirit, the powerful light within us that it is our duty and our pleasure to let shine. That's what I would say. Thank you. And thank you for singing to me. Like I said, I'm still <laughs> starstruck. So that, that was so special. Thank you. What does kindness mean to you in just a few words or less? It's in our every, everyday acts. It's in the, the way we look at one another. It's compassion, consideration we show to our friends and colleagues, loved ones, and especially to those who most need it. What one skill or superpower does an educator need to lead with in order to be effective? Caring. Mm. And finally, 
What one message would you print on one of those quote cups that could be sold in bookstores all around the world? <laughs> be good, do good. <laughs> be good, do good? Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. That's for child honoring. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. Well, this has been such a delight. Thank you so, so much, Rafi, for joining me today on this conversation for Kindsight 101. I feel so incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity, and thank you so much for making the time. It's been fun. Thank you so much for your interest. Absolutely. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21-day kindness challenge and movement, I'd love it if you would take a minute, head over to iTunes, and leave a review. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Kind Sight 101, the podcast. For links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number. Now, I'd love to give my audience a heads up about my new book, which will provide ideas, actionable strategies, and inquiry-based approaches to creating kinder classroom through serving the community. Subscribe to my blog for more information. Now, I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gained from this conversation? Head over to our website, smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.